the Holy Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jewish people. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, Now how can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I said to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said, How can these things be? And Jesus answered him, You are a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen, yet you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God loved the world in this way, that God gave the Son, the only begotten one, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Nearly a year ago now, my significant other Cassie and I were hiking through the Great Smoky Mountains in North Carolina and Tennessee. And I had the responsibility of planning our route. I imagined beautiful winding trails, gradual slopes, gentle streams. What we got was cold and damp conditions, steep inclines, and gushing mountain streams. Reality is harsh sometimes. Our second day on the trail, we got started a little late. 
And after nine hours of hiking uphill the whole way, with our lives packed into backpacks that weigh between 60 and 70 pounds, we arrived at our final mile marker of the day. And as I have planned it, we have about a mile to go. If the map lied, it was more like two miles. The only issue, really, is that the sun is beginning to slip ever so gently and silently beneath the distant horizon. With every footstep, the light becomes more and more dim as it is filtered through the tree branches. We decide to pull out our trusty headlamps, as any sensible person would do. Only these sensible people forgot to check the batteries. <laughs> and the headlamps died in seconds. We were hiking at night in the forest, and it was so dark that you could hardly see your hand in front of your face. Every step was filled with anxiety. What if we run into a bear? What if there's a low-hanging branch, or one of us twists an ankle? What if we're lost? Lost. The thought had crossed my mind at sunset, but now that the sun was down and we can't see anything, the thought has made a home in my mind. Lost. You know, I've been accustomed to giving Nicodemus slack. The pious Pharisee goes to Jesus under the cloak of night when it's so unlikely that he will be seen. But did Nicodemus go to Jesus after dark? Or did he go to Jesus in a spiritual nighttime? I've been accustomed to rebuking Nicodemus. He only believes what he sees, citing Jesus' miracles as proof of his identity. It is only through seeing that Nicodemus has come to faith. And his faith, having been based only on his concrete perceptions, was unstable as he feels lost. If I'm honest with you, while I look for myself in this story, I do not find myself as a bystander silently bearing witness. I do not find myself standing behind Christ cheering him on. I find myself not as a follower of Nicodemus stealthily sneaking behind him as he finds his way to Christ. I do find myself standing in Nicodemus' very shoes. I want to believe what I perceive. The words that I hear, the sights that I see, the things that I touch. I want to be able to rely on my senses to give me information and that information to be reliable. But what happens when our senses are not enough? One step at a time, my eyes squinted to make out the faintest of light as it dances across the slippery stones. Gently, with my toes first, I feel my way down the trail and through the forest. I could not see, and this sense of being lost has sunken into my bones. Nicodemus didn't understand what Jesus was talking about. He couldn't see it. He couldn't hear it. 
couldn't feel it. Being born from above, water and spirit, Nicodemus could not envision these concepts in his mind. A lost Nicodemus struggles with the teaching Jesus presented and his feeling of being lost persists. What makes us feel lost? Political climate that is more aggressive than it is democratic stirs up our eager search for stability. A society that is deeply divided causes our desperate search for community. The coronavirus has been made out to be a monster that incites dread, fear, and even panic. We can't see the trail. We feel lost. As we continue to venture through life and Lent, some of us prepare for baptism and others of us prepare to renew our baptismal vows at the Easter Vigil. Many of us worry about the coming election. All of us live in the shadow of unjust systems. Our sense of being lost is profound, and so too is our desire for stable ground. In our feeling lost, Christ offers us a word a word that has been called the gospel within the gospel. A word that makes regular appearances at sporting events. A word that has become the slogan, the mantra, the catchphrase of the Christian faith. John 3.16 That God so loved the world in this way, that God gave the Son, the only begotten one, Everyone who believes in him may not perish, but have eternal life. But is this the comfort that we seek? The word Christ offers us to calm our anxious beings, to me, stirs up some questions. What about people who are never given the gift of faith? What about the people who have been hurt by the church? What about the people who die in infancy? What about the people who never profess the faith? What about the rest of creation? The word that was intended for comfort might just increase the sense of being lost. While John 3.16 has been the battle cry of the Christian faith, God's grace is more fully revealed as we continue reading. John 3.17 Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. We may feel lost, but we can find comfort in the knowledge that Christ's mission was not and is not to condemn, but to give life. Eventually, long after the sun had gone down and our flashlights went out, the trail led us through the feeling of being lost to the campsite, our place of rest that evening. I like to think that as Nicodemus leaves Jesus and that conversation he finds himself in a place of comfort amidst the feeling 
being lost. And now, we hold our feelings of being lost and the comfort that faith provides. Our faith may not bring an end to the feeling of being lost, but it will be a source of comfort. And so, as you feel lost this Lent, keep going. Read on. And know that God has come as near as your very breath to give you rest. Amen.